Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, what's up? I hope you're having a good day. Jubilee recently put out a new middle ground, and you know what that means. We must react. Now, this new middle ground is former LGBTQ people versus current LGBTQ plus people. So it's going to be an interesting one. Y'all know I don't personally identify with any of the letters in the acronym. In fact, I don't even like the acronym itself. So maybe we'll get into that discussion during this show and during this reaction. So it'll be interesting. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of personal experiences. So for the most part, I'm going to be sitting and taking this in. I also took it upon myself to peek at the comments, uh, which I don't know if I should have done, because the first comment says this ended up being an hour-long Christian theological discussion, which, if you know me, <laughs> you know that I personally find religion unconvincing. So it's going to be an interesting episode if this just becomes Christians battling against other Christians. Based on that comment, I'm going to assume that most of the people on this panel are going to end up being Christians who are going to be arguing your perspectives. And... I find it difficult to believe that they're going to be able to find middle ground. Uh, and I think we all know why. When you're debating about something as profound and complex and personal as religion, it can be very difficult to make valid points. That's why whenever I watch these middle grounds and maybe one or two people are coming from a religious perspective, it can often mess up the debate altogether, in my opinion, because how are you to argue with somebody who holds that as their worldview and has a different, a totally different lens uh, through which they're looking at the world and a totally different basis for how they make their arguments, what they believe to be true and what they believe to be false. So I have all that running through my mind before we've even gotten into the episode. But with that... I should shut up and uh, and watch. So that's what we're going to do. Okay. You're queer even if you suppress your homosexual desires. Hmm. Can we agreeers please step forward? Okay. You're queer even if you suppress your homosexual desires. Okay. Well, the framing of the statement is a little strange because it says even if you suppress your homosexual desires. So that means you have an admission of suppression. If the person is admitting to suppressing those desires, then yeah, they probably are suppressing the side of themselves that would be considered queer. Now, if somebody claims I had homosexual desires and now I no longer have homosexual desires, that's a totally different ballpark that we're playing in at that point. And I'd have to think about that. I'm sure there's people who would represent both sides of that. Someone who says, I feel these things, but I'm holding that down and suppressing it. And others who say, I did feel them, but now I no longer do. So I'm curious to hear from the participants as they've all stated to experience this. I think the idea of being ex-gay is dishonest. I think psychologically we know sexuality, though it can exist on a spectrum, is part of who we are. It's an innate part of who we are. And mm -hmm. I think claiming ex-gay 
is claiming that you've changed some part of you that I don't think can be changed. And I think it's one thing to say, I've chosen not to lean into my desires. It's another thing to say I've been healed from or completely eradicated those desires within me. Yeah, I agree. While I wanna like honor and respect each person's individual journey and their own identity, an orientation just can't be changed. Um, you can Pause. That's a really big thing to say. And again, I'm not coming at this from a religious perspective. I'm trying to think of just how vast the human experience is and how different we all are on an individual basis. Who's to say that your sexuality cannot change and morph over time and that you can't grow accustomed to certain things or be nurtured in a certain direction? I feel like that is totally possible to happen. Not to say that it happens for everybody or that it is some sort of universal experience, but I wouldn't ever make the statement that your sexuality never changes and is never altered and you stick with whatever you were born with. I happen to believe, you know, even though we have a natural push towards heterosexuality through procreation, all these different things, there's a lot of different, you know, stimuli, experiences, uh, environments you can be placed in that change the way you view things sexually, even within a heterosexual relationship. Uh, and I don't think that point should be missed. And I get this idea that the people who are arguing specifically on the LGBTQ side will want to say that sexuality never changes. And I knew I was gay or bi or trans or whatever from the day that I was born. I just had to, you know, discover that about myself. But I always say, leave room for the possibility that your worldview and your view on sexuality could be completely wrong. And that stands for both sides. Yeah, I'm not going to say that that sexuality just never, never changes. I personally couldn't say that. You can live it out in a different way, but it is uh, how you were created. And psychologically speaking, hmm. it is damaging, actually. It leads to depression and anxiety and obviously like suicide or suicidal ideation that the fruit of um, trying to change actually um, is damaging to one's soul and psyche. Can the I think for some people that can be true. Disagreeers, please step forward. Okay, the disagreeers. Uh, the only identity I want to claim over my life is child of God. I hate labels and so even as I came out of the closet like I, I didn't like to, to announce myself as gay. The only identity that I clearly see with inside of myself is being a child of God. It's what he has defined for me as a man. Why is there conflict there between yes, being a child of exactly. God and, and other parts of your identity? Mm, see, guys, we've immediately stepped into the hot water that I spoke about at the, at the beginning of this episode. Not that this conversation is going to get particularly contentious or anything. It may very well remain respectful. I just don't think that it's going to go anywhere. If you both view yourselves as children of God or Christians and you view yourself as a believer in this higher power, it's going to become abundantly clear, I think, from the outset here with all these different people that they all have different translations of what that means, different ways that they lead their life in their subservience to their higher power that they believe in. And how do you gain middle ground when that is your view? You would have to walk out with a completely different worldview and a completely different set of beliefs in regard to religion. It's not really up to me to get to define like who I am and 
a lot of times even in my own life, like I thought that I wanted certain things and then I realized that those things were not good for me. So I based just my belief and my identity on like what the Word of God says. Does that mm. work in reverse? Like what if you want to be a singer or a painter or something that is positive? Do you say, well, I can't do that because I can't find scriptural support that says I can go be a painter. Like how do you feel about that in the opposite? Like don't you think that there are things God instills inside of you to show you maybe what His plan is for you? And I'm with you too. My identity is in Christ. I saw the cross around His neck. I was going to say that is a very, very interesting question. And when you're making arguments, it doesn't matter from what perspective, be it religious or non-religious, and you make one like what is being made here about a particularly contentious topic, the, the topic of homosexuality, think about something a little bit more innocuous, a little bit less incendiary uh, to make that same argument and see if the water still holds. He took homosexuality and said, okay, well, what if we swap homosexuality out for, you know, painter or artist or musician or whatever the case may be? And it really does turn the argument on its head a little bit and it makes the wheels turn. So I'm curious to hear what his response is to that when you flip the script a little bit. But there's so much that makes me me. I'm somebody's son, I'm somebody's brother. I love Celine Dion and Taco Bell. Like <laughs> there's all these moving parts to make Gilbert who Gilbert is. Yeah. And I just wonder like, where do you draw the line if you think that, you know, God has to tell me who I am? Well, what if that's how I see this? God is always telling me who I am. Yeah, there are certain things inside of us that they're, they're not bad things. And so like if I wanted to be a singer, I did, I did want to be a singer at one point. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like the Lord might want that for my life. But at the same time, I also have to surrender that to him and just tell him, okay, like this is what I want to do. Yeah. But you also get the last say because at the end of the day, like you were formed in the womb by him. He knows you better than you know yourself. Right. Uh, for myself as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe in the power of deliverance. I believe that you can be com completely delivered from homosexuality, not only because of what the Bible says, but because of my personal story. You know, I used to have sex with men. Um, I used to dress like a woman, um, used to, you know, have a desire to possibly be a transgender if it wasn't for the grace of God, but God completely changed my desires. You said that your identity is in Christ, but your identity is also in the LGBTQ. I don't know for sure. Are, are, do you identify as somebody in the Right, LGBTQ? so like I was saying, there's many things that make me me. When I say that I'm gay, it means that I'm being honest about my attractions. Right. It's not just like a sexual, it's also so psychological, it's romantic, it's all of these things that I cannot have with a woman. Sexuality is a choice. Everybody has the, 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 the right of free will to choose what they want to do, but at the end of the day, our subjection to, should be to the Word of God. And I Pause. First of all, what an interesting background and story as somebody who says he used to engage with men, used to dress as a woman, uh, and then goes through this path to religion and God. I'm so curious to hear more and hope we get more uh, on that story. When he talks about how sexuality is a choice, this is something that uh, personally conflicts me when I think about it. Uh, and again, you know what perspective I'm coming from on that. I have to think of examples where I feel as though sexuality can be morphed into something that is not a choice at all. I'll, I'll put throw out an extreme example just so you guys can get on the same wavelength as me. Think about a young man who was abused in his youth. And because of that abuse, and we'll say abuse at the hands of an, an adult man, okay? Because of that abuse, he now is experiencing sexual desires for men, and that can be a result of trauma. It can be the result of sort of internalizing the abuse that you had to endure as a young person, that sexual desire towards men uh, would no longer be a choice. 
This, this would have been something inflicted upon you that would have altered you in some way due to the trauma. And now this is just something that you experience. Now, if he chooses to engage with that desire, that is a personal choice. Our actions are our choices. But the feelings that he had are not necessarily choice based. So I'm curious to see if we get into something like that or an example of that, or if these people talk about, I don't personally feel my sexuality was a choice and how uh, those who are coming from the religious background, which it seems to be most of the people on this panel would respond to that. I can quote numerous scriptures where it says that a man and a man and a woman and a woman is forbidden by God. It doesn't mean that God hates the person that's doing that. God loves everybody, but he hates the sin. And it also says that those who approve of such things or those who practice such things will endure hellfire. I think I'm probably the most unique person here because I firmly believe, first of all, sexuality and gender are not a choice. And I say that as an intersex person. So I don't know if you guys understand what being born intersex means. You might have heard the term hermaphrodite. I was born with a condition called De La Chapelle syndrome. Um, I'm chromosomally a female, but there was a gene mutation on my dad's Y chromosome that caused me to develop harshly male. And then when I finally was starting to hit puberty, I was actually developing more like a female. And and I, I don't know, I just think it's it's disingenuous to say that like sexuality or gender is a choice because I never got the choice to be diagnosed with the intersex condition that I have. I think that there is a lot of things we just don't understand about sexuality and gender. So I come from a, like a, a scientific place. I don't come from a religious place. So I Pause. Okay. It's such an interesting thing. Again, an interesting experience to go through. And here is going to point to why I can really not get behind the idea that we lump LGBTQIA plus all together into one acronym. It makes absolutely no sense to put an experience like hers of being born a statistical anomaly uh, in a medical sense as intersex and to lump that in with people who have a certain sexuality or a certain gender orientation. This is a very specific experience to go through as a human being that is medically sound, medically backed, and where you would have a real fork in the road and a conflict as to how you present in the world, be it male or female. And for her, I think anything she chooses or, you know, decides is right for her would make sense given her situation. It's unfortunate that like the intersex existence and experience is used to justify other things like transgenderism, which in my opinion, make far less sense than what this young woman has gone through. But again, it's lumped into the whole acronym just because we thought, well, those two things sound similar enough. So let's throw them together when they're really not together whatsoever. I'll say this, I'll agree that having same-sex attraction is not a choice and stuff because I had same-sex attraction since preschool and stuff. I didn't have that choice and stuff. I was like, mm. oh, why am I attracted to guys like how girls and guys normally are attracted to each other? But I definitely will say like, you know, as a Christian from a theological standpoint, you do have a choice to act on it or not. And God gives us the power by the strength of the Holy Spirit to have us walk in a life that is holy and pure and righteous before him. In services, what always breaks my heart is that you have pastors that are singing worship songs like break my heart for what breaks yours, open up my eyes to the things unseen. And they are able to have this palatable way of accepting LGBT people by calling them same-sex attracted. But then when we come into their church and we're like, but okay, yeah, if you wanna use that language, but we're gay. These orientations, don't they don't change. But like I said before, a face what to makes it. you be able to hmm. define yourself? The definition of the word. I mean, it's, it's that easy. But who gave you that authority? To speak the truth? God. No, to, to identify yourself. I'm like, using a definition of a word. 
So to you, like, you just can claim whatever identity that you want for yourself? No, unless it's true. I had to come to the real. See, dude, we're not gonna get anywhere, guys. We're not gonna get anywhere. <laughs> this is not gonna work. Um, and so it's interesting, the only person who, I don't know if we've heard from everybody yet, but the, the trans, and I'm not even trans, intersex person is the only one who doesn't seem to be religious, is the only one who said I haven't argued from a religious standpoint or I'm not arguing from a religious standpoint. I wonder if they purposefully happen to get, you know, mostly religious people or if it just happened that way. But again, it's just like a luck. I don't think it's going to get anywhere. Realization that I was gay. When I was seeking a relationship with the Lord, I told the Lord, I said, hey, this is how I feel. This is what I like. But you're going to have to show me that you're real. You're going to have to prove yourself to me. And he did. And he took those desires away from me. He's given me strength to overcome my desires of falling into homosexuality again. But that doesn't mean temptation is not there. You know, I don't get tempted as I did before. But even the Bible says Jesus got tempted by the devil. So, like, it's not temptation is not a sin. But I'm just saying that the, the deliverance part comes from the Holy Spirit giving me the strength over that and completely There's a religious component, but the psychological component is that then you're repressing a part of your sexuality. It's not gone. Mm. It's still there. It's not. But you're choosing to not engage but with why it. why do you and call it repressing? Well, he's saying it's not there, but then he said that he does experience temptation. I think there's there's a lot of different language being thrown around. He just said, I no longer have desires, then said, I do have temptations, but I've been given the power through my religion and belief to not fall for those temptations, which would amount to suppression. And I think suppression gets a negative connotation placed on it, even though there are tons of things that we suppress on any given day. I can wake up sometimes on a weekend and say, I want to scroll on TikTok, I don't know, for four hours and just rot in bed all day and do nothing and drink Coke and eat donuts and all this stuff or whatever. And that may be a temptation or a drive that I have, but you suppress that and say, you know what, I'm going to do things that I feel are better for me. Now, on the basis of homosexuality, you make your own judgments as what is good or, or not good for you. You. I'm not here to speak to that, uh, but that would be an act of suppression and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's negative. There are tons of things that we suppress in our lives on a daily basis. Pressing because, because there's a lot of, of things that, that we do that what we would consider something that I don't want to do. Like, let's say I love Big Macs. I love going to McDonald's. I <laughs> love eating, the same thing. Okay. but that's not necessarily good for me. And would you, you say that them. I repress my yes. needs? Yes. 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 Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, but why does it have to be negative? Why can't it be something positive? Yeah, like self-control. Self-control is repression. Yeah, so I think it's self-control to say no. But you all are, you're saying that this is necessarily negative. I think ex-gays, I want you to be honest and say, I still have the attraction and I'm choosing to not engage with it, well, rather no. than telling people they can actually be healed from their sexuality. That's not true. It is an important distinction, what he just said. It is an important distinction. Do you still have desires and temptations or do you not have them anymore? And I imagine there are going to be people in both camps. I don't want to sound like I'm taking any sort of side uh, in regard to that. I'm just saying there's going to be people who say, oh, I just no longer feel that way in general. And there's going to be people who say, I still feel that way, but I choose to repress it as I feel it's best for me. It is an important distinction, and I hope we get down to it. It seems like for one of them, I think his name was Rashad, the one in the gray shirt, he said, I still feel the temptation, but I uh, choose to not act on it. I want to hear from the others. Okay. There is scientific basis behind being LGBTQ. There is scientific basis 
behind being LGBTQ. Again, you've, we've put all these letters in the acronym together, which makes no sense. Is there a scientific basis for being intersex, which one of the people on this panel is? Absolutely. It's undeniable. If you are born intersex, you can look at this person's genitalia. You can do an analysis of their internal organs, which would be, you know, ovaries, uterus, internal testes sometimes. And you would say this person is intersex and there's very much a scientific basis for for it. If somebody is experiencing gender dysphoria, there would be a diagnosis, which in some ways is scientific and then could lead to that person wanting to medically transition. So you could argue, yes, there's a scientific basis for those feelings. Does that then mean that there is a, a certain gene that makes you gay or bi or lesbian and that is somehow detectable scientifically? I think they've done a number of studies on that and some research and have found that no, there's not. There's not, a, you know, a certain gene that you can find that dictates what your sexual orientation is going to be. So when you throw all the letters together, <laughs> what are you supposed to argue in this case? Because I'll walk forward and say, yeah, there's a scientific basis for being intersex, but maybe not for LGBT, you know, all, all that, all the other stuff that has been linked in there. Queer, asexual. <sighs> it goes on and on. Let's see what they say. Oh, girl. So, I mean, I feel like this prompt is very much about someone like me. I think there is a scientific basis behind being born in the LGBTQ community. There are, like, so much scientific basis for someone like myself. And we've existed since the beginning of time, but the media never platforms someone like myself. Like, I can't name one famous intersex person, and I'm an intersex person. Yeah. I think it's mighty time that, like, we bring intersex voices forward because I think not only can it help our community, but it can help the trans community with a lot of the struggles of, like, people invalidating their identity. In, like See? It got linked together. Like their manhood or their womanhood or they're just their personhood, you know? I, I think psychologically, scientifically, we know that homosexuality occurs throughout nature. This is not a question Very anymore. Um, and the idea, Sorry. welcome. <laughs> the idea, this language of unnatural, which does unfortunately come from the Bible, is just untrue. Scientifically, we know that homosexuality is a naturally occurring phenomenon in many species and in humanity. And so anybody who's trying to claim that it's not an innate part of human beings is not doing that from a scientific standpoint. I don't think any animals are asking to be delivered from their homosexuality. Yes. And like, if we're gonna come from- There's just so many, so many layers here. You can like, innate doesn't necessarily, you know, mean genetic, natural does not necessarily mean innate, you know? Making uh, a choice to engage with homosexuality doesn't necessarily mean that you were born homosexual. Just because other species engage in homosexuality, there are, you know, a number of species who don't engage in homosexuality. It's just all over the place. But I will say there's a, a obviously long-standing history of human beings engaging in in homosexuality now how much weight you put on that or whether or not that dictates what is innate or what is by choice again i do not know this is why i'm along for the ride on this discussion i do love hearing everybody's perspective on this from a religious standpoint as someone who was religious for the first 13 years of my life the common saying god makes no mistakes i don't think god made any mistakes amen and also about amen. any of this like my average uh transsexual brothers and sisters and non-binary siblings I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that 
DNA cannot predict sexuality. It cannot predict if you're gay. It cannot predict if you're straight. And also, too, um, with intersex individuals, we cannot use the case of intersexuals to generalize the LGBT community. But if someone could be born That's like me, true. why could someone not be born homosexual, bisexual, transsexual? Because what she's describing what that happened with her, her birth and being intersex is completely separate. Now, I could see how somebody could jump and use that to generalize the rest, but it's separate. Psychology is clear, though. There is not a single psychological association in the country that would say that sexuality is something that can be changed. They would say it's an innate reality. Now, and for gender yeah. as well. Because it used to be like they did have psychological terms. Homosexuality was considered to be a disorder. In the age of Freud, but we've moved on since that. Yeah, we bunked that. Like, Why have we moved on since that? Was it the gay rights um, no, movement? No, Freud was... It, Science progresses as we get new knowledge. That's how science works. I believe if you if you were born with a vagina, you are a woman. If you were born with a with a with a penis, you are a man. Oh goodness, I don't know. Does he? Okay. In a general sense, yes. And then we can look at chromosomes, and that can help us, you know, deduce where where people lie, because that's never going to change. Even if you are a trans person who goes through medical transitioning, and all those hormones or chromosomes are going to remain the same. I'm curious how he's going to respond to the intersex person who's sitting right next to him that was born with a sort of like indistinguishable genitalia. So that's going to be something that he's going to have to grapple with. I don't know how you're going to how you're going to respond to that, given that take. And again, intersex people are an, a statistical anomaly. But still, when you have somebody sitting right across from you or right beside you who's experiencing that and you say men have a penis and women have a vagina, you're bound to just incite a, a different argument. What about my okay, two Okay, so if you were in war and a grenade went off and you lost your penis, yeah. what would your gender be? Still a bad argument, bad argument. Just points to the girl sitting next to him and say, what about her? <laughs> okay, but you don't have a penis. You have no genitalia. Yeah, well, that, that's what God gave me. Whatever God gave you with it, you can cut it off. You can trap it on, whatever it is. I believe that's still what so God, God gave me. So God gave me non-functioning genitalia until I had DNA, reproductive, like, but, but the DNA DNA I, want to, I want to ask a question though. What what are like if I don't want to be you know? No, I'm I'm an open book, so ask me anything. But reproductive organs like they don't work. Like do you have so a womb? So for me, no. I was born with literally like almost no internal sex organs and non fully developed sex organs. So wow. when I was born, I basically had a uh, partially formed uh, phallus, but I did not have testes, did not have ovaries, I didn't have any internal prostate, anything like that. First of all, I just want to pause and say what a difficult experience to go through as a child figuring out, you know, where you stand, how you feel when you're born under that circumstance. What in, and what a difficult thing to, to deal with as a parent. Imagine being a parent who has to struggle through this and figure out, you know, what you think is going to be best for your kid and how to raise them and rear them. And imagine making the wrong decision. When I was on Jubilee for trans uh, women versus conservative women, there was a woman on the show named Gina who was born intersex and her parents chose to raise her up as, as a male and move forward in that direction. And then Gina felt more female. And again, this is somebody born intersex, which I feel like should have plenty of ground to explore how they feel about themselves given the circumstances. That is insane and heartbreaking and such a difficult transition to have to go through. Just wow, just wanted to, you know, go on that tangent. 
And so when I started going through puberty, I never got very masky, I never got like a lot of facial hair, but I did grow breast tissue naturally. So like, what do you say to someone like me who's like walking around with breasts, but you know, I, I literally was never gonna be able to father or mother a child. There's a lot Gosh. more to the conversation than just like penis man, vagina female, XX this. And like, I have XX chromosomes, but like- XX, you know, that is male. XX is uh, female. Yeah. So I chromosomally a female. However, oh, yeah. like my condition is called De La Chapelle syndrome, but it's also known by some people as XX male syndrome because like, again, people just associate the penis being there as something to be male. But up to 50% of people with my condition do end up going under some feminizing uh, transition. I'm happy mm. to share my story because I think it's very important. I think it would help a lot of people understand that like, if I can be born this way, why could someone not be born a trans person? Why could someone not be born a homosexual or bisexual person? Well, I you know what I don't know is I wonder what the research is on that. Like if, if the chromosomes sort of overpowered everything else, because that would tell you a lot. That's really fascinating. I want to apologize for the Christian community because I think yeah. there has been a lack of education between gender and then also sexuality. Yeah. I look at your case and I'm like, man, that's horrible. That's mm. Sucks. Like attraction, fleshful desires, lust, all these types of things, those are different than gender. As a believer in the Word of God, I, I believe that God created a man and a woman. So when it comes down to intersex, I don't believe God is the author of confusion. That's why I don't believe if you have a little breast tissue or you have some, you're not growing facial hair, I can I, I can completely switch over to a female or I can completely switch over to a male because I have certain male, or I'm a woman and I have a beard. I still feel like what's between your legs, what God has created you, God created man and woman. There's no, I don't see any intersex. I don't see any of these wow. things in the Bible. Okay, first, I wanna, I wanna be charitable to this young guy. Um, Again, so he's he said, I think that God is not the author of confusion. Okay, understandable, uh, you know, belief, understandable viewpoint on that. I can see where he stands. Now, he then goes on to say, I believe that what you have downstairs, your privates, your genitalia, is what dictates who you are. And in the case of that intersex female, the person who chose to, you know, move on with, with a female identity, had both you know, kind of genitalia going on. <laughs> no internal testes, no, no ovaries, no uterus. So what do you, what do you do in that case? He, I think he needs to reevaluate his argument and where he stands on that issue because what he just said uh, does not leave space. Now he could look at her and say, you know, I, I do think you are still created in the image of God. Uh, but then he's going to have to justify the other points he made about privates and genitalia because it's just not making sense. And he seems very flustered and he's just like, you know, moving quite, you know, jittery and moving forward with this point. And he, he's very impassioned by it, which when anybody is talking in that way on any topic, doesn't matter if it's religious or non-religious, just raise a little red flag in your mind that they are not the most confident on their stance. Oh, wow, that is That's so tremendously yeah. dismissive. The very first being that's been that was created was genderless. Yeah. Was Adam? No, Adam oh, was a man. Adam, said it was a man. Let's just go with that. That let's just go. With Adam and Eve are the first, okay? But just because something is the first, it doesn't mean that it's the standard. If you look at Adam and Eve, then you're like, oh, that's what we have to be. They're the blueprint. Well, then that goes down the slippery slope because then what was their hair color? What was their eye color? What was their skin color? And any deviation from that means that you're evil. I'm also to an, a therapist, and I work with a lot of children who have autism. Seeing families who 
you know, question like, why was my child born this way? I kind of think of that scenario in my head. Obviously, you don't autism, but you being intersex and coming out here, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing because you guys, your stories are not really heard. I think of the scripture when um, a man went to Jesus about his son who was born blind and he said, why was my um, son born this way? Is it- Generational is, is, curse. Yeah, yeah, is it a result of, of my sins? Sin. And Jesus responded and said, um, so the glory of God could be seen in him. You know, that- I have to pause. I, I'm genuinely, I genuinely do want to hear from the Christians who are watching this show right now. Do you agree with that? That if you, she, she even said, if you have a kid that's autistic, autistic, blind, intersex, that is a generational curse from your, your family's prior sins. I did not know that sounds really, really wild to me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I, I don't think I could hide that on my face. Uh, how, how wild that sounded. And so far, you know, I, I have all the room in the world for people who want to make religious arguments and speak from that perspective. Uh, but that one was a little, a little wild. I'm not going to lie. It brings a lot of comfort to me. And when I think of a rare case of your, I know you don't, you're not religious. You don't believe in that, but that's how I see you. You know, I see the glory of God in you. And I'm so glad you can see the glory of God in part of the queer community. My prayer is that you can see it in all of the queer community. Did I misinterpret what was just said there? Or did I hear what was said correctly? Because I feel like that deserves more you know, fleshing out than what it got. I feel like she said, I see the glory of God in you. And that made it sound like she was saying something nice, but I don't know how nice that statement actually was in reality. Okay, we're gonna skip a few prompts here because this episode is very long. This, this one is conversion therapy has positive outcomes. I think we can skip that. We don't need to get too in the weeds on that one. We're gonna move on to something that I'm definitely interested in and that is the pride movement is negatively affecting younger generations. Younger generations. Let's see who walks forward. And I would walk forward uh, for this one. You guys know my experience. I went to Pride as a kid when I believe I was way too young to be in an environment like that. I mean, they were throwing condoms around. There was men in Speedos. There's very just sexually graphic behavior uh, right in front of your eyes. I can't imagine that's helpful or healthy for anyone of a young age, let alone adults to be doing that out in public. It's one thing to have pride in yourself and to be proud of who you are as a person and, and your identity. It's another thing to have all of this just blatantly sexually promiscuous activity just happening out and about in front of children. And I get that there are maybe other examples of people who are straight doing similar things, and I will give room for, for that. But pride seems to be a particularly concentrated time of year <laughs> where I I see that a lot, a lot. And again, I personally experienced that as a child, and I don't believe that was a positive experience, nor do I believe it's a positive experience for other children. I experimented with bisexuality when I was a teenager, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know there was a label. I just did it just because I, I felt good. But it was until college I realized, like, oh, there's a community, LGBT. So I was, I was happy that I found my identity in, in the pride community, and I still do have family and friends who I love who are in gay marriages. But after being born again, just the word itself, it just didn't sit right with me. There's definitely agenda, an agenda behind it, speaking spiritually, right? I just think that we need to be more aware of how we use that word pride. Yeah, no, I 
for the pride, like, you know, speaking specifically about like pride parades and like mm -hmm. um, the entire month of June celebrating pride, if it's a thing that like people are inviting children to and like people like, you know, in Gen Z and things like that, and like you see like genitalia just like out and like people just naked and stuff like that, I'm like, that's not sending a good message. They're gonna view, right. uh, view you guys as all sexual and all lustful and stuff, no self-respect or anything like that. And like, I, I just don't like personally ag agree with that. Um, Making such a valid point that not only is it harmful for the young people who are experiencing that and having to take that in due to the pride parades and all that stuff, but it is harmful to the movement itself. Because if you are truly an advocate for LGBT people, you would want that messaging and that sort of behavior to be as far away from your community as is possible because it is not healthy for kids or the general public. And if you want to truly state that, you know, this is just who I am as a person, this is how I choose to live my life, and it's not going to affect other people, then you probably shouldn't be having like naked people running around in the street doing sexual acts or any of that stuff happening in, you know, their neighborhoods and communities because it is a complete uh, negation of the argument that it does not affect them. Um, but then also they view disagreeing with them about their lifestyle as being homophobic when that's completely different things. And they're literally training people like, no, if people disagree with you about who you are, about the life that you live, they're homophobic, they're scared of you, they want to be away from you. And I there do is, not agree with that. Is. When I went to my first Pride event, I was 17 and I was like, oh, people like me, yeah. I get to be out here. And you know, and while I was there looking at the float, there was a drag queen that was performing and she's fierce and it was all great. But then there was this like a go-go dancer right next to her and she performed a sex act on him right there in front of me. And I was 17 and I was one of the older people. There were kids and stuff older and everybody people. was cheering and celebrating and mm. I just felt like this wipe out from me like is this what that is supposed to be but for me that was way too much and in my line of work I do work with kids and I'm hyper aware of what they're exposed to I'm very protective of kids when I was eight years old I was introduced to homosexuality um, through watching the show RuPaul's Drag Race that's what really dude I used to watch RuPaul's Drag Race as a kid too Again, not something that for kids. It's really not for kids. And I get that a lot of people say, oh, well, it's just drag. It's just men dressing up. But there's a lot of uh, sexual promiscuity in that show, innuendo, all that. It is not a show for kids. So that's a shared experience right there. And introduce me to that, right? The Bible talks about in Matthew chapter six, how our eyes are the lamp to our body. And if we allow darkness into our eyes, we allow darkness into our body. All of those who are in the LGBTQ community, but some are, are, are pushing this demonic agenda on the kids because kids' minds are sponges. And when you show them that being a man and a man and a woman and a woman being together is okay, they're gonna grow up thinking, okay, I can do the same thing. And when you do that, you're, you're turning a whole nation into you know, no procreation, none of these things. It's an antichrist agenda, especially in the education now where they're teaching kids about gay sex and, and transgenderism is okay and all that stuff. I feel like that thing is wrong and I feel like it's a call to repentance uh, to turn back to the Lord and, and really just um, 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 stop that stuff when, when, when it comes down to the kids. To me, I'm, I'm conflicted because I know that the gay rights movement has done a lot of good. Like if it wasn't for the gay rights movement, there would literally still be people who are killed today just because they face homosexuality. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just that, okay, we can see these individuals as equal and we don't want to kill them anymore. And um, and that's partly Christians. Christians start to blame. Like we we would kill like gay people. And, and trans, trans people are still murdered. I yeah, have three exactly. personal friends of mine so, who have been murdered for who they are. And so that's why I step forward partially because I do think sometimes there are um, overtly sexual things that are maybe done in front of 
kids, yeah. and like I say this as a drag entertainer, I don't like to perform in front of yes. any kids because yeah. I'm, I'm very much like, keep your kids at home. It's good to know. Yeah. Because also they're not even tipping me anyways. A lot of times they're loud, they're annoying, they're spilling, yeah. if I'm at a drag brunch, they're spilling food everywhere. Not my thing. Well, I do think it's important to teach kids about safe sex and all types of sex, whether it be homosexual, bisexual, whatever type of sex. I think- Boop, lost me there. <laughs> What do you mean by kids at this point, too? I do not think that kids need to be learning about, you know, all types of, of sex. You all know that. I don't need to go on my whole speech, stand on my soapbox on that one. But yeah, you, you lost me on that. I think it's like an age thing. To me, like, I actually attended quite a few Pride festivals, and they were amazing. I loved them. I was so excited to be there, but that was because I identified. And it was the first place that I ever felt truly welcomed. And I think as Christians, we need to make more spaces where... LGBTQIA, they can come into the churches and feel welcomed and feel safe. But do I agree that holding pride festivals are a good thing? No, I don't agree because once again, being gay, I do believe is a sin and that does something to the land. Like when we celebrate that, when we celebrate these festivals, it does bad things to the land. You know, it can cause earthquake, diseases, all this stuff to start to happen. According no comment. Into the Bible. I think we need to separate the idea of pride and public acts of sex. Um, those are not... Mm, Candace, 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 though. But can you separate those two things? Because they're happening simultaneously uh, with, you know, pride spray-painted all, all over it. I can understand the idea of wanting to separate those two things and saying, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that happens at pride and it can be very wholesome and all this stuff. But uh, nine times out of ten... I there's there's other stuff going on at Pride. And again, I say this as somebody who has experienced it in many different realms and in many different forms at many different ages. I cannot think of a single Pride event that I have attended that has not been sexual in nature to some extent. And it most certainly cannot think of a Pride event uh, that I have been to or experienced that I would ever let a child experience. Not the same thing. But also I'm a mom of nine-year-old twins and um, we are the ones who put meanings on things for our children. Bodies are not bad. So even if our kids see some, um, an, a, an exposed body part, we don't automatically say that that's bad because it's not. But we do talk about how. I would hope I can understand, okay, I can understand you have parents that are like, you know, you have like naked moms or whatever who say, you know, the, you know, the, the human body is free and it's natural or whatever. You shouldn't feel weird about your, your human body. I understand that. It is a very different thing, however, to go to an event where men are naked, you know, showing their genitalia to everybody. That's very different than telling kids, you know, the human body is natural. Uh, very, very different. And I hope she's not talking about that in the sense that she's comfortable exposing her nine-year-old kids to naked men and perhaps women at Pride. Some people might feel that that is negative and some people might feel that is as positive. I think there's like biblical precedence to that, like God created us naked from the very get-go. But then now, once again, with the introduction of sin, that's where lust can creep its way in. And so a child 
that maybe saw a penis genitalia. Something might happen there where if that had they not been exposed to that, maybe they would have uh, remained in, a little bit more innocent. I definitely want my kids to stay innocent. You're right. Like yeah. I'm not like look at this. You know um, yeah. that okay. to yeah. me that is that is absolutely harmful. But if we are in the world or even at a pride festival, which they love my kids. They feel so much of God's love in pride. Dude, kids also will run around with knives if you let them do that and eat a whole bucket of Halloween candy and clog their arteries if you allow them to. They love a lot of things. Uh, so they are drawn to it um, because they see God's goodness and love reflected in it and they I think they're drawn to it because it's a parade covered with rainbows and sparkles and glitter and people dancing and music and smiling yeah kids are drawn to stuff like that that's a legitimate thing <laughs> that kids go through that doesn't mean that it is a healthy environment for your kids to be in because they're happy about being there they see their moms who they love reflected in it. They have no definition of bad in that. That just kind of... Mm, okay, I'm gonna maintain my composure in there. Yeah, they have no definition of bad in that because you're making it a positive thing for that and it's a positive thing for them, okay? And that's one thing to do, I get that. But if pride involves men in speedos or showing off their genitalia or whatever, that is not something that you should make a positive experience for your kids or just say, that's, oh, it's just a natural human body. You know, we see that all the time. It's totally normal. It's negative in the way that kids are way too young to experience that. It's negative in the way that it primes them for sexual behavior, which is absolutely horrible. Imagine you take a child to pride and you say, oh, well, it's totally normal to see people like this and see human bodies like this. And then, you know, some random predator man decides to do something and your kid is thinking, oh, well, mom said that this is totally normal to see people like this. And this is a normal behavior that people engage in. It's not normal. And it's, this can lead to so many negative outcomes outside of it just purely being inappropriate. You're sexualizing your kids early for absolutely no reason. It is not beneficial to them. And you can talk about, you know, having two moms or having two dads or, you know, the different ways that people represent themselves in the world without them experiencing things like pride parades. It doesn't sit well with me, especially like the fact that you're a Christian because pride cometh before destruction. Oh, yeah. So I just like cannot agree with that statement. And as a Christian, mm -hmm. maybe we need to like relook at our Bible. That's pretty offensive. Not gonna um, get anywhere with that. And pretty judgmental. The pride that's mentioned in the Bible is different than the pride we're talking about yeah. here, and it's different than the pride in a parade. But we're talking about is actually something that even Christians, uh, I'm sure, would identify with, and that is just like, we are almost mirrors of God's uh, diversity and inclusion and uh, love that, like, it's like this light coming down and hitting me and reflecting off. And that enjoyment, when we reflect God's creation and goodness and love, that is so, it's enjoyable. And so that's really what pride is about. These Again, that's your interpretation. That's where we get with religion. Uh and, you know, seven out of eight people here are religious, so that you're going to get your interpretation of what that means. And I can't speak to that. They can't speak to that. And it's interesting because, like, whenever I hear about religion or the context through, which, context through which I've heard about religion, it is meant to be something personal. It is your personal relationship with whatever higher power you choose. Prayer is meant to be something that is, you know, quiet and personal, at least in the context that I've heard about it. So, 
to come back and debate your own personal relationships with your higher power and how you interpret scripture and how you utilize it in your life is almost an exercise in futility unless each of these people is fully open to changing their perspective based on what they hear and maybe they are maybe they are these stories though are far and few between i've been to sure. probably 15 yes. parades and festivals over the past 10 years at any festival where there's going to be drunken people like this is mardi gras as well like That's this is what anywhere the media focuses on yeah. too, I think. so uplifting these one stories and say look there was a penis exposed at this pride parade this is all what pride is about that's what happens in the media that's what furthers lgbt oppression mm -hmm. because we're demonizing us as some sexual deviants that are trying to groom children that's not that's right, what anybody is well, why is that 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 more scared that we're going to be harmed at those then my kids are going to see a penis I, i'm told i'm 1000 percent against you're way more scared that you're going to be harmed at a pride parade whether it's christians or just people who are not religious who bash the lgbtq community killing i'm not for that i don't stand with that though i believe right. that it's a sin live however you want to live just don't push it on the children would you say the, the same about christianity don't push christianity on exactly. the children no well that's well, the thing well, is that there is a, there is an influence i remember back in the day it was a campaign that was called um it gets better. I did not have a good childhood that. growing up, especially with all these attractions, living in Miami, very machismo culture. And looking at the TV and being like, well, it's gonna get better for me. Like eventually, like I'm gonna be happy. But it was that influence that kept me going to want to be gay, to think like, oh, my life is going to get better if I just give into this. And I am very thankful for the people on this panel as well for us pioneering a new movement, the holiness movement, where we are telling children, <laughs> hey, if you have... I guess, yeah, I guess for Abby, it's kind of hard to listen to this because we don't these believe in attractions. it. That's okay. Uh, understand these attractions. What do they mean? Mm -hmm. Let's not throw it out the window, but I don't want another make it. Um, they're dealing with things acceptance. Are gonna get better they're not dealing pain. with the attraction. They're, well, they're dealing with wanting but, to be but, accepted yeah. for their attraction. But That's the difference. It gets better, actually. It gets better because it's incredibly painful to live in a community like you described. Yeah. And I can only imagine the amount of pain that you experienced. I would love to transport you to a different place, a different home, a different family, and to see if your experience was, would be the same. I think they wouldn't. LG. Well, alas, we cannot do that. So everybody's experience, you know, you know, become the amalgamation of themselves as an individual, and they all come with their their different perspectives. There is no, there's no going back on that. Now this next prompt we're gonna skip. This is uh, LGBTQ people won't go to heaven. As always, if you have your personal perspective on it, drop it in the comments down below. I encourage healthy debate, so duke it out, but do so respectfully. We are gonna move on to the last prompt, which is it's healthy to experiment with sexuality. We have to think about this. It's healthy to experiment with sexuality. Depends on what you mean by experiment. Like I'm not advising that you go around, you know, engaging in sexual acts with a whole ton of different people to experiment about what you like and is this that and you know, how do I feel about this? I think it's healthy to acknowledge that, you know, sexuality comes in all different forms, even if you're a heterosexual person, and to just be okay with the idea of exploration. Like when I have kids in the future, I never want them to feel uncomfortable in talking to me about the things that they are thinking. It doesn't matter if they're heterosexual, homosexual, whatever the case is, I want them to know that it is 
healthy to have all different types of thoughts circulate in in your brain and hopefully you can come to somebody uh, your mom and dad and have a conversation about those thoughts so that we can provide guidance as adults who have gone through the whole circus of youth and growing up and changing I think that is totally healthy now does that count as experimentation I don't know it's experimentation in thought most definitely uh but We'll see. I, I want to hear everybody else's interpretation of this. I'm certainly not endorsing that you go around and, you know, engage in sexual acts with this, that and the other to figure out who you are as a person, because I don't think it's nearly as important as people are making it out to be. And that's a whole nother discussion for another day. It's healthy to experiment with sexuality. You know, like I have experimented with women and men and I found myself attracted to both. I would say more to men, so like, like a 75, 25, I guess I would say. It was a very uh, fulfilling experience to know who I was and why I was feeling these attractions and if these attractions were like valid, like or, or they were like really grounded and like how I was really feeling and stuff like that. For a lot of people, I believe that they are very much on the straight end of the spectrum or the gay end of the spectrum, talking sexuality-wise. For a lot of people, there is ambiguity in between. And in our increasingly open and inclusive world, there is now space for people to say, well, if I'm not on those poles, then maybe I need to figure out myself. And I think my greatest harm and trauma in life came from being a part of a church who, when I started to realize that I didn't align with heterosexuality in the way that I was taught I needed to, said there is no experimentation. There is one way for you to be. You have to be straight. And in order to be straight, you should go to conversion therapy, X, Y, Z. That's very objectively harmful. It caused me objective harm. And mm. I think it's such a great thing now that we live in an era where we can tell kids and youth as they're coming into puberty, there's not a mold for you to fit into. You are created, beloved, unique. Figure it out. Figure out what works for you and it's okay. I mean, it's healthy to try things out while simultaneously being deeply connected to yourself and listening to your soul and your heart and the divine that is within you. That's how we learn as people. That's how we were created to learn is to try things out. Now, if you're going over a boundary of someone else or an internal boundary that you have and you're not and you're shutting that down, that's where harm comes when you start to harm yourself or harm someone else. But if there's a consent happening, how beautiful that you could be listening to yourself and honoring yourself and honoring someone else while learning about yourself. Exactly. Absolutely. I tend to be kind of like what you were saying, Brandon, more on the very gay side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was young, I kissed a girl and I didn't like it. <laughs> For me, it was like I didn't necessarily want that experience, but I guess it kind of confirmed that it's not for me. I'm so curious. I like I want to know more. Obviously, you can't ask people things. These questions are deeply personal, but I want to know like, if you're a kissing a girl and kissing a guy, like what is all that different that you know? Like I definitely don't like this girl. Like it's definitely not for me. And I wonder if the people who are, you know, anti-experimentation, again, I uh, fence sit on that one because I don't know, you have to define what you mean by that. Uh, if you had a gay kid or a gay teenager, would you say like, uh, you should try dating a girl? Because for them, I guess that would technically be experimentation. <laughs> I don't know, guys. This is a new world. I feel like there are a lot of people who are kind of still figuring it out. There's a lot of people where it's not as clear for them as it is for me, whether you're gay or straight. Or even if you're like, hey, you know, I'm kind of trying to figure this out. I'm not really comfortable with being sexual. There's so much more to intimacy than just the sexual act. But if I'm a gay man, I'm not going to be complimentary to a straight woman. 
That's not going to be a, a relationship that's going to complement each other. I don't th think that I necessarily need to engage in that and marry her and then take over that spot of her life that could be going to a straight man. I think if you are marrying someone outside of your orientation, that is absolutely one of the self most selfish things that you can do. Interesting. Oh, we didn't even think about that. Didn't even think about that. Imagine that, because you do hear these stories of women, you know, marrying men, and then they find out that uh, they're they're gay, or you know, men marrying women and find out they're lesbian, and that is just heartbreaking. I cannot imagine going through something like that in life, in something as deep and profound as you know, marriage or a, a long-term relationship with kids and things like that. Uh, I don't. It's hard to classify it as, you know, being selfish or, or whatever, but it, it does irk me in that way that you should have been upfront and honest with that person about where you stood, uh, how confused you were, and how horrible is it to lead somebody down the path of going as far as marrying you or having kids when there is some piece of you that knows this is not where you want to be. Again, we can get into the arguments about homosexuality versus heterosexuality. Are you born with it? Is it a choice? That Put all that aside. If you know you have feelings for men and are developing in that direction, or you're a woman who has feelings for women, and you go out and you purposefully you know, get in a relationship with somebody that leads to marriage and kids, when you know you don't want to be there, that's rough. That is rough. Say that in this question. like se Exploring sexuality does not mean having sex. Yeah. Well, it exactly. means exploring who you are and how you're attracted and how you show up in the world. This has been a very peaceful conversation, I should add. L-G-B-T-Q-I-A plus. Oh, what's, where's what's he going? Plus? More experimentation. More, if you want to do this, whatever you want to do. If you want to have sex with a dog, have sex with a dog. If you want to have sex no. with a plant, oh, have sex with a plant. No. If you want to so have sex with a... I do very much dislike the direction that this argument is going and I do very much dislike it. Um, okay, I'm, I'm gonna let them address that one. But can I go back to what I said at the beginning? This is a major problem with lumping all of these different letters together in the acronym. It gives people agency to move on to other arguments like this, and it gives very nefarious individuals who actually are working on those fronts agency to lump themselves in with your, you know, acronym that you've created. I know we've heard stories of, yes, a very fringe group of people, but a group of people nonetheless who believe that pedophiles should be referred to as minor attracted persons. You've seen it. I've seen it. If you haven't seen it, give it a quick Google. And those very same people, which again are, you know, a very disgusting minority, they are trying to get those letters attached to LGBTQIA. So there are small groups of people who are pushing on that front. And because you've linked yourself in an acronym and allowed people to speak on behalf of an entire group, your entire movement is going to get you know, completely lopped in with that, even though each of these things should be separate and distinct, but they're not. And that was a very, very big mistake. But a so boy disgusting. have sex with a boy. And I, know, I don't support that. If yeah, you're a woman, no, you can have sex with a woman. Is. All this stuff is leading to that, though. So when you tell no, a nation and you tell a society to fulfill the lust of the flesh, which is what it is, is you're telling them, oh, just, just do whatever you want, whatever you feel.
these things. There is and that's no why we have harm to in homosexual sex. There is harm in sex committed with a child, with an animal. And that is completely wrong. I will never support that as a person in this community. And that is very important to say that. Anybody who tries to, to attach yes. to that part of the community, I don't want anything to do with same, it. So your same. understanding, maybe it's your experience, and mm -hmm. I feel really sad if that's been your experience. That is not what it means to be LGBTQ+. I have a. I feel like I have a little bit more of a heart when when it comes to homosexuals and and, and everyone struggling in there. Like I, I faced so much struggle in my life. I was bullied all throughout my childhood, and I was suicidal at one point. And so it was rough. And and that has also helped me to understand that I think it's okay to like recognize the emotions and the feelings that you are having and to to make room at the table for that. Like the last thing that I would want is for someone to not be able to talk about the attraction that they're fe uh, feeling in church. I do love that he said that. That is a really great thing to say because I think uh, one of the things that leads to all this back and forth is this feeling that people cannot speak about how they're feeling, who they're attracted to, what they're going through in their mind, and they feel such shame and disdain for themselves that they push it down and repress it, or it goes, you know, much further than it would have gone had you just been able to have the conversation. That's why I cannot stress enough, like for my future children, anything that they are thinking they should be able to come to me and have a conversation about and you want to make it a comfortable environment for them to do so, so that they know that, you know, when things are normal or abnormal, so that you're fully aware as a parent of what's going on with your, your child. And as soon as you instill shame, uh, in them for certain things, it shuts off a wall of communication. It leads to, you know, deceitfulness and just repression and hiding of things that could very well be dealt with if you could just have the conversation. Or to feel like judged, or to feel condemned, or to feel hatred from someone, or even to be killed for just speaking up. And that still happens today, and that's what makes me sad. Okay, so I've heard multiple of you guys say like about creating a safe space for LGBTQ people in church, right? To talk about certain things. What do you say to someone like me who has experienced sexual assault and witnessed sexual assault in a church? I think oh, that's well, horrible. Yeah, and I've been sexually assaulted twice, once before I was a Christian and another time when I was a Christian. And so I would say to you that I sympathize with you and that it's horrible and that was not God's will, that was not within God's plan. And that's evil and whoever did that sh It's interesting because like, you know, there, I think there's uh, certain groups of Christian people who will say, if something bad happens to you that is within God's plan, it's just something that you were meant to go through and deal with. And others that say if something bad happened to you that wasn't within God's plan. I'm curious, if you're a Christian watching this right now, which view do you have on the subject? Drop that in the comments down below. And as always, have a healthy debate about it. Should be punished according to the word of God. But the problem is, is that the Catholic Church in particular does not. The person who did that to me and to other which just move parishes and it's a shh don't talk about yeah, it yeah and we would 100 yeah. percent disagree with that like no. for me personally like i come against like the the church a lot and a lot of the sinful practices that it has yeah. done in the past and stuff yes. when it comes to sa and when it comes to like covering things because like, i mean when i first came out as gay and stuff like that um and i went to baptist church they're wild but um, <laughs> i wanted to talk about how i was feeling and they were just like no just just go be the one with a woman just just 
go sleep around with a woman and then you'll be fine. I'm like, what? Are you serious? Like, what? That's so hard. And even like, and, we're yeah. social media influencers and I, I rarely ever get seen like our testimony be put on a stage yeah. in the Christian churches, Pentecostal Baptist. Mm -hmm. Like I've had a YouTube channel for five years. It has over like 500,000 uh, views and rarely ever do I get a call from the church being like, hey, come share your testimony and come speak on this. So I went to Catholic high school and my freshman year of high school, we had somebody come and speak a wow, why homosexuality and the time transvestism is the word they use. I hate the word transvestite, but they use that word, why that was sinful and why that was wrong to our entire school. Okay, so I actually yeah. grew up a Catholic and I don't agree with a lot of their doctrine. You need to be born again yeah. to, yes. to know the word of God. I think, you know, experimenting with my sexuality was not healthy for me. I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. The inclination came to me from a young age. And then, you know, throughout my teenage years, I'm like, hmm, I like boys, I like girls, let me try this. But later in my years, I dealt with so much anxiety. I dealt with um, a little bit of depression because of like the stress of going to school. And when I went through my deliverance, I didn't go into my deliverance being like, oh, I need to be delivered from being a bisexual. I went into my deliverance wanting to be set free from anxiety and, and doubt and, you know, all those things. And so, you know, answering the prompt, it's, I don't think it's healthy. I would agree with the prompt and disagree with the prompt at the same time. Yeah. Uh, agree in a sense of like, if you're not religious at all and stuff like that, I think you have free reign to do, do that experiment and do all these things and stuff like that and find out like who you think you are and stuff like that and experiment in that way. But I do say if you are claiming to be a follower of Jesus or like in, in the context of like Christianity and stuff, like I do say that like the Bible would come against like you trying to like, you know, go out there and like have like your experiences and do this and experiment with that one. And God's like, no, 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 like no, no experimenting here. Like you're called to follow the scriptures. You're called to be led by my Holy Spirit and to submit to me ultimately and stuff. And whatever that looks like for you, that's if we're calling ourselves followers of Jesus, Jesus should be the standard of who we are following and who we should submit our lives to. Yeah, I think one of my first experiences, um, I lost my virginity through an app called Grindr. And so I was led to experiment on Grindr and I opened up doors that I wish I would have never opened up before. And that's why I'm like, no, don't experiment. Like if you're having the attractions, like understand the attractions, but don't go out there because now I struggle a lot with sex addiction. I struggle a lot mm. with temptations. There's some things that you can't unsee and that you can't undo once you've opened that door. Yeah, yeah I will say, with Without a doubt, it seems like the gay community in particular uh, is so hypersexualized, so hypersexualized. It's, uh, in my opinion, uh, it's kind of undeniable. Now you could say that it's very similar for for straight people, but I don't know. It seems like it's on another level, at least in my opinion. So that being your first introduction, an app like Grinder, I don't know. That seems like it would be. A lot and again everybody's experience is different but that is quite quite a way to get your introduction to any sort of sexuality let alone experimentation yeah so when people struggle with the things that you've mentioned it's usually because they've repressed it right and that there hasn't been like a healthy way to express that and experience it as you've been created which makes it worse can yes. I can, uh, I wanted to ask the panel something it seems that this whole conversation is going in the way of experimenting with the same sex. 
Do you feel that way also with the opposite sex? Like, let's say I was someone who was like, hey, I'm gay, I don't want to be, so maybe huh? I should try to go and date a girl. That's my question. I would say no, because to me, it's not about, once again, getting into a relationship with a female. It's about holiness. It's about experimenting in Jesus. It's, it goes for the same sexes. There shouldn't really be a difference. And that's why I'm like, man, I hope we don't have division, because it's the same, heterosexual, homosexual. Even though, for the homosexuals, it's been far, far worse. But now, let's not do that. Let's forgive. Let's move in, in progress. I think we found some middle ground on this yeah. issue because I, I do appreciate what you just said. I really do. Because even though we may fundamentally disagree about, you know, the whole affirming somebody's uh, same-sex orientation, I really do feel a little bit encouraged that it's not your guys' stance to go push somebody into a heterosexual relationship because I do feel like that's often what the church tries to do. Kind of like what you were told, you know what I mean? Like, just go date a girl, you know? All the time that we were talking, I kept thinking about Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath and how controversial that was yeah. because that was a loving thing to do. And all of the religious people of the day were like, clearly you are breaking the law by healing somebody. And it wasn't just something he did once. He was a habitual healer. Oh, he did yeah. it all the time. <laughs> the law is for love. And we get sometimes so weirded out by how are we supposed to love each other? that we forget that it's really just treating your neighbor as yourself. It's so interesting to hear all of these different interpretations while claiming to be under the same umbrella. It truly is fascinating. And I've, you know, seen a lot of this uh, within regular, you know, non- sexual conversations about Christianity, but it's just interesting to get this extra layer of complexity and human experience just added in there. It truly, truly is. Now, about him saying, you know, I, I find the silver lining in that you're not pushing people to go and have heterosexual relationships. That's interesting because that's another divide that we've identified. I think there are um, certain Christian people who would say, no, you should go and pursue a woman for the purpose of, you know, living and being a human being, or at least one of our purposes is procreation. So you have to go and find a heterosexual relationship in order to do that. But apparently there are others that say it's not about uh, wanting to push you towards heterosexuality. It's just towards wanting to push you uh, further into your relationship with God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's supposed to be so, so easy. I just want to implore all of us to honesty. And I don't think it's honest to claim to be ex-gay because not one of you have said that you have actually been delivered of your sexuality. And by promoting that message, you are causing unnameable harm to young people in churches who are going to think that if they pray or go to therapy or follow your version of Christianity, that God is going to take away their sexual orientation and their sexual desire. I've not heard that said here. I've heard, I've chosen not to do this. I've chosen to turn away. Say that, but don't promote this message that you can be or should be healed of the way that God created you. Hmm. He does have a point. They didn't say that. Maybe they should have had that be a prompt so you could get more clarity on that because I only remember the one guy in gray talking about that. I, again, my memory could be escaping me right now. I didn't hear them talk about whether or not the temptation was fully gone for them or they still feel it and they kind of suppress it. 
interesting. But that's the note they decided to close out the episode on. I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of different comments on this episode, a lot of different perspectives. And that's what I'm all about. You all knew I came into this not being a part of, you know, the acronym club and not being a religious person. So this episode was uh, probably not, you know, most intended for, for someone like me, but it was still very interesting to watch, gain a little bit of perspective, and just to hear about others' experiences, learn about the different divides that people have, even though they all choose to call themselves a Christian, except for except for Abby, <laughs> the lone one out in this episode. As always, drop your thoughts in the comments down below. I encourage healthy debate, so duke it out, but do so respectfully. And if you identify with any of these people or the stories that they told, drop that in the chat down below as well. I think one of the through lines in here was that we should be able to have healthy conversations and we shouldn't feel so timid around talking about things like sexuality and orientation and our internal thoughts on these different subjects. So drop that down below in the comments. And if you like this video, like, <laughs> subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time I post a video for you guys, which is every single day. And I hope you have a good rest of yours. Bye-bye. Yeah, you better. Yeah, you better.